0: Welcome to the Redefine pod, where we try our best to level the playing field by gathering tips and tricks from real life experiences. I am your host, Laura, and today I will be interviewing Wallace, who is here to share his experience working within the third sector. And hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll have convinced you to do the same. So let's get straight into this. Hi, Wallace. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm fine. Thank you, Laura. How are you?
0: I'm great myself I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say so can you tell us a little bit about yourself your educational and career background
1: Uh, a little bit about myself Uh, I think I'm nearly hitting 30 I'm not too sure I was born in Zambia Uh, I moved to the UK when I was 12 I believe from then on, I attended high school here. After leaving high school, I went on to do a degree in business and marketing at the University of South Wales. After my graduation in 2012, I then went on to work in the private sector for a few years. I went on to work for in the private sector, rather, for a couple of years. And then my first real proper job, I ended up working for the police. So,
0: you said that you studied business and marketing, and now you work within the volunteering organization, managing volunteers. Did you know that this was something you wanted to do while you were studying?
1: Absolutely not. So, when I was in university, I really didn't have a plan of where I was going to end up. So, the reason behind my choosing uh, the particular degree that I studied is in high school, I thought it was easy. And I could do it. I think we didn't have a lot of exams during that course as well. So naturally, I thought I would do something similar when I went to university. And okay. I had no real plans in terms of where I was going to end up, what sector I'd be working in. It came as a surprise to me where it ended up. But I very much enjoyed the work that I'm involved in just now.
0: So how did you progress into the job that you're doing right now from your degree because you said that you faced a lot of hurdles and you didn't necessarily know that this is where you would end up. How did you end up there?
1: After I graduated I think I had this naivety that I'd end up working for a very large corporation and I'll be a manager of some sort and I applied for unrealistic jobs. After I was brought back to earth a little bit I started looking into apprenticeships and internships. So my very first job, I had no work experience. So my very first job after university was an unpaid internship in a a marketing kind of role. I did that for six months without pay having to wake up in the morning and finding my way to the office. Through the winter, that was tough times. After my six months, I think I started to realize that maybe perhaps the marketing dream job that I had in my mind was not really for me. I tried other jobs uh, in a similar role in marketing and after some time I started to realize that this wasn't for me. I saw an advert for an admin apprentice for the police. I think initially I just put it in as, wouldn't it be funny if I got this job? I didn't really know much about the inner workings of the police and what they did. All I knew about the police was obviously police officers, and that was the only job that was there, if you're working for the police. I I got to fully understand the multifunctions that apply to the workings of uh, the police so it's not just police officers those are just the front end that most people get to see but they are heavily involved in community safety yeah public safety, which involves other organizations that come from the third sector so I got to to be exposed to that kind of work and from ever since I've been challenged i guess motivated to 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 make a little bit of a difference in the community and that's the biggest driver that that makes me really passionate about this area of of work
0: so was can you explain to us a little bit of what your job role now is
1: right so what i do right now is i guess you could call me a volunteer manager but i've got a really complicated title Uh, that I have on my email signature but essentially what I do is coordinate volunteers so I'm responsible for the recruitment supporting and retaining of volunteers who make independent decisions to safeguard vulnerable children in my local area.
0: Wow and how long have you been doing that or holding that job position for?
1: I've held this job for three years, coming up to four years.
0: Wallace, you mentioned that you recruit, support and retain volunteers for the organisation that you work for. Can you explain a little bit about that, what that is essentially?
1: Right, so the organisation, as I mentioned, uh, we look to recruit volunteers who are members of the public, who make decisions to support vulnerable children and young people in Scotland but this particular instance will be in my local authority. So what we do is we run a campaign every year looking for volunteers who will be part of uh, this legal tribunal and we put on training for them to be making these substantive decisions that affect Uh, children and young people and then we support them throughout the process as well as after they're fully qualified to be making these decisions we make sure they are regularly attending local training just to keep up with legal kind of procedures, processes and ensuring that their decisions are always the best for the children.
0: Wow that sounds very um interesting and also kind of hard to do Wallace. I have a few statistics that I'd like to bounce off of you as a person who's experienced with working with volunteers and kind of just get an insight of what you've seen. So the facts I have here say that there is a lack of black representation within the third sector. And it also shows that women are more likely to volunteer than men. And when men do volunteer, it's men within the ages of 25 to 34. Is this something that rings true to you and what you've seen working with volunteers?
1: This is very true from my observations throughout the different roles that i've been involved in we always struggle to recruit uh, people from minority groups we always struggle to recruit men we always struggle to recruit young people uh, in voluntary positions Uh, there are probably many factors that contribute towards the lack of representation from these particular groups Our grouping, so for our volunteers, for every panel, we need to be representative of the community, which means we need at least one male representative on the panel of three. And the age balance is always off because we find that the most people that will volunteer are most likely going to be over the ages of 60 going up. And they're the pillar stones of uh, the whole system because they're probably retired and they're able to give uh, more time than younger people or working class young people. We are always short of men. We always struggle to try and get a panel of three where a male is available. Again, many factors as to why we struggle with that. And the vast majority of our volunteers, as you said, are women.
0: I know that you said that you're reaching the peak age of 30 soon, but you're considered as a young person. So as a young black man, is this an area that you advocate for? And is this something that you're continuously encouraging the black people in your community, young people, Um, to look into volunteering?
1: I'd highly recommend, suggest anybody, regardless of uh, their ethnic identity, to volunteer. But we have a huge disproportion of minorities in the voluntary third sector industries. I wish I was able to identify what some of these barriers are that prevent... People like me to volunteer so in the time I've been in these uh, organizations I've only come across maybe I could count on one hand just how many people that look like me uh, volunteers as well so there'll be something of a plea to your listeners to anybody that listens to this podcast to consider volunteering I think it it has many benefits for you but it also has benefits for society because we're coming together to impact our local communities.
0: That's interesting that you say that. Do you think that there may already be volunteers within the black community and that they are lending their um, efforts to churches and not so established communities, that their efforts may not exactly be recognised? Do you think that's a possibility?
1: That is very true. So the evidence will suggest that. So there are two kinds of volunteering as yeah, some people would define it. So there's formal volunteering and informal volunteering. So formal volunteering will be more structured and that's where maybe uh, my kind of organization comes in. So we are part of the local authority but we rely on members of the community to support the structures in place to safeguard children and young people but more informal uh, volunteering does exist and it is probably less recorded in terms of numbers that volunteer and we tend to find that people will volunteer for local churches but that is not that's not data that's available in the records showing that uh, minority groups perhaps are volunteering informally rather than the recognised formal structures.
0: I've never heard of the term informal volunteering before. And now that you mention it, it makes me reflect on the volunteering experiences that I've had myself. Growing up in a church where there have been opportunities to service my community, I may have years of experience of volunteering over someone else who may have not had that upbringing. However, it may not be valued as much as formal volunteering because the data is not collected. That's very interesting that this is something that's apparent, especially in our community as black people. How can we encourage more young people and especially black men to start volunteering?
1: I think it comes down to the motivation. Uh, for volunteering so there are many different factors that bring people to volunteer so one of the biggest factors is volunteering for a cause that is close to you personally so I think there's uh, there's some self-reflection there from individuals that want to volunteer to think about areas within society that they see are closely affecting them that they'd like to inspire change. And that, that comes with some, some self reflection, in my opinion.
0: I like that you said that, that the first step for us to encourage more volunteering would be to encourage people to think of a cause that they're passionate about and encourage us all to have a little bit of self reflection on what that is exactly. I really appreciate that um, advice. I don't know if this rings true to you, but society has been brought up with the notion that volunteering should have some sort of career or long-term term benefit to it. Has working within a volunteering organisation changed that perception for you?
1: No, and there's, there's nothing wrong with having the motive of having something in return for your voluntary services. I think it's natural as humans that we want something in return, and if somebody is motivated by beefing up their CV through an experience of volunteering, I think there's nothing wrong with that. So by all means, if you want to develop skills, and this is why uh, volunteering is is important and is valuable in society, it is you, you can develop skills through volunteering and those skills can be applied into a working situation. They can develop some soft skills for you, which you can use in a different setting. So it's a pro bono where both parties, you as an individual, as well as the organization, you get to benefit from the time that you're giving to, to that specific uh, organization. And I have seen this where When we're doing our recruitment, we tend to find that we have trainee social workers or third-year graduate uh, law students who come to our organisation almost looking for that experience in that kind of work environment where we're dealing with children and young people. And we're more than happy to take them on because they will give us that time whilst they're in university The only sad thing about that is they get to leave after graduation, but we get to benefit from their time. Society gets to benefit from their time that they give whilst they're in their studies. And some, obviously, when they move back to to their normal kind of home, they will consider volunteering for us or they'll be sort of ambassadors in university where they tell others about the services that are available for volunteering. And there's no more powerful marketing tool than word of mouth. We definitely encourage uh, people who want to benefit through beefing up their CV by volunteering.
0: It kind of made me think of, um, I don't know if you watch Friends, but the episode where Joey and Phoebe are having that discussion on whether any good deed is selfless because it makes you feel good internally. And I like that you said that any time given to uh, an organization or a cause that helps other people is valuable time and it means more than anything. So I appreciate that because it kind of disputes that debate whether any good deed or volunteering is actually selfless and it is because you're giving your time which you can't necessarily collect back, so I like that. A few months ago we had a conversation during the rebirth, as I like to call it, of the Black Lives Matter movement about how the community and us as individuals can best inflict change to dismantle the systems that were made to oppress us. There were some interesting ideas that were brought to the table, but you said something very different. What was it that you said was?
1: Right, so... The inequalities in society are not a new phenomenon, and these have always existed, and there are current policies that were developed a very long time ago that tried to address some of these inequalities, and in particular, we were talking about accountability for the police. So when I was working for the police, I was part of their administration for their independent custody visiting scheme. This scheme was developed uh, back in the 1980s, 90s, somewhere there. But basically what happened was there was a lot of unrest in Britain and this peaked when, uh, I don't know if you've heard about the Brixton riots.
0: Yeah, I have.
1: So there were hundreds of young people who were attacking the police and breaking down property. All that sounds very familiar, but this happened back in the 1980s. And the cause of this disorder centered rather around people protesting about the oppressive policing and in particular the alleged harassment of people, especially young black men. So the government uh ordered some high powerful men who are far more intelligent than I am to try and address some of these issues in, in uh in society at the time and they came up with the independent custody visiting scheme which basically looks at inviting volunteers who are part of this uh scheme and they go into police custodies to look at detainee welfare, to make sure that their rights have been read to them, they understand why they're in police custody, and if they're on any sort of medical conditions, they are accessed any medicine that they want to, and just making sure their human rights are not being violated whilst they're in custody. So these are members of the community going into police custody suites unannounced, and By law, they have to comply, as in the police have to comply and let them in and speak to uh, detainees in police custody. And this was something that happened a long time ago, but I wasn't aware of it until I was working uh, for the police. But this is a scheme that is available, that is open to anybody within the community. I've also been on ride-alongs. So you can make a request to go on a ride along with a police officer on a night out where you get to almost live step by step to understand the demands of a police officer on the streets. And these are just some of the initiatives I wish I was aware of or I wish more of people like me were aware of to try and address some of these inequalities so that we have first-hand evidence to say this is what the police are doing and making them more accountable. So the underlying thing that came out of the Brixton Review is to make the police more accountable and to be more transparent in the handling of detainees whilst they're in their care. And I believe that is one way we could be making a difference. If we we rallied together to be involved in such organisations, such schemes that are available to us as a society, we can all hold account the police that are supposed to be protecting us.
0: That is incredible to hear that there's an opportunity for us to actually hold the police accountable for how they hold detainees. Um, how do you get into something like that like what's the process of getting involved within that kind of volunteering work how did you get into it and how can somebody else also get into it
1: so as I said uh, I think I was more fortunate in the fact that I was working within the police that I was able to realize that this was something that they did so on their website I think there should be more of an effort to highlight uh, these particular opportunities. I don't think they're widely made available that on any website you can sort of go in and look on. But I found this through their own website. So I'm in the process of volunteering for the independent custody visiting scheme here in Scotland. I wasn't able to do that in Wales because I was part of the police and they were employing me, so I couldn't do that. There would be a conflict of interest. But now that I'm no longer working for them here in Scotland, I'm thinking of doing the same. So I went on their website, and that's where I picked up an application form, and did the application. We had the one-to-one interview over the phone, and then uh, I was supposed to go for some formal training at the beginning of February, end of February, somewhere there, but because of obviously the global pandemic, I was not able to go through with the training, but that's being reinstated for later on this year, so I'm looking forward to that, and uh, yeah, if somebody was interested, just go on the police website, I think there's a section for volunteering, There's, uh, there's a few opportunities where you can volunteer for the police as well.
0: You said that there is training that is required for you to actually fulfill that role. What is the training process like? I know that you haven't exactly been able to finish it because of COVID-19, but what is the training that would have been required of you?
1: It's training on how to speak to detainees and how to conduct yourself uh, when you're addressing uh, some of these people. Obviously, some will be in a condition where they're not very responsive and you have to be aware how to conduct yourself in such an environment. So they just give you a brief overview of what happens there. So this is experience from the admin side of things. And that's how I know uh, about all of this. And just being aware of their human rights. So they read through or they make you more aware of the human rights that are available to detainees and making sure you can share that information with somebody in, in, in custody so that they understand that none of those uh, human rights are being violated.
0: Are you joining into this now Do you think this was a reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement? And I know that you mentioned that this is a scheme that had been established years before, but you joining it this year, not necessarily you joining it, but you're continuing to work within this scheme, and knowing that the Black Lives Matter movement is arising again, in a sense. Does this play a part into how you approach this new position?
1: Not necessarily. So prior to uh, what you're calling it, the rebirth, I think I've always been passionate about social justice. And that is that is me. At the core of me, I've always wanted to impact society to make sure everybody is treated equally and make some sort of impact in 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 society and as I said because I was working for the police I was not able to volunteer myself but I've always had that desire to do so so when the opportunity arise long before the rebirth I was always willing to I was always I had every intention of doing that but I think subconsciously on a subconscious level I think maybe that had uh, more of an impact in terms of the additional motivation to to get back into it and uh make make a difference i guess
0: this podcast has been so amazing you mentioned various resources that we can all use to get involved in volunteering you mentioned that looking on the uh, police website and also kind of having a little self-reflection of what it is that we're passionate about. Are there any resources you'd like to share that can um, encourage more people to volunteer or any organisations that you know of that can use some volunteering?
1: There's so many. There are so many third sector organisations that are trying to make positive outcomes in our society today. And because of the lack in funding from government, more and more third sector organizations are being heavily relied on to provide a service that the government cannot meet and these services are available online you can look at your local authority or councils they they have volunteer uh, positions opportunities there that you can look into here in Scotland there's a website called Volunteer Scotland and once you've identified exactly what your passion is about what you want to impact, what you want to make a difference in, what you have a close connection to, you can specify in in the search box so that you are specifically looking for those particular opportunities that that are of importance to you. So there's there's a lot of resources available online that you can look up.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. Is there anyone you would like to give a shout out to for helping you with your journey to where you are right now? Anyone in particular?
1: I don't know how far your audience goes, but I want to drop names. But there, there, there's definitely been one or two people who have broadened my thinking in terms of uh, career progression. Uh, I had one boss who, my line manager, I should say, who would make time to sit down and talk me through what my ambitions were and encourage me to not narrow my focus, but to think big. I think there's a book by one particular politician, Think Big, Aim High, and yeah, she 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 was a great line manager and yeah, uh, i definitely give a shout out to her.
0: That's amazing. I think we all need one of her in our lives. Um, so the final question we ask every interviewee on our podcast is, what are you redefining in this season of your life and why?
1: I think that's a tough one. I think for me, uh, I think it would have to be success. Success I think is distorted among society and it's not dependent just on monetary items. I, I think success can be defined in so many ways and uh, I want to come up with my own definition of success, which is not based on others' expectations, but of myself. I think that's what I'd be looking to redefine.
0: I just want to say thank you so much, Wallace, for sharing your valuable information with us today and for being a part of the Redefine pod. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our fifth episode. And yeah, this has been amazing. I can't believe we're on our fifth episode and we have gathered all this information so far. You can find us at The Redefined Project on Instagram and Facebook for more information. And to listen to more episodes, simply follow or subscribe to The Redefined Pod on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you in the next one. What are you redefining?